Thanks for joining me today on this episode of the Verbal Echo Podcast. We explore everyday stories, dive into experiences from real folks, and highlight transformation, grit, witness stubbornness through the human experience with a healthy dose of I can't believe that really happened to you. I'm your host, Monica Martin. Let's get to it. Hi, I want to welcome Amanda Kirkland to the show. After years of therapy and self-exploration, she discovered something called neuro-linguistic programming. This tool helped her reprogram her subconscious mind, release negative emotions and thought patterns, and heal emotional wounds. Amanda now works with clients, mostly women, who might be struggling with toxic or dysfunctional relationships. Using her lived experience and training, she works with them so they can start living lives they love on their terms and by their rules. So welcome, Amanda. Thank you. Great to be here, Monica. Yeah, I'm really excited about this conversation. Um, So how did you kind of get into this space um, of working with, you work mostly with women? I work mostly with women. Um, Mm -hmm. How did I get into the space? Um, I followed path of breadcrumbs the universe was dropping for me. Um, I was in real estate development for almost 30 years. A project I was on for 20 was coming to an end. Um, I had to decide whether to stay in the industry or do something different. Um, It was the start of the pandemic. So I had sort of a lot more at home time working to figure out what was next. And I had a business idea. I started working with a coach and she coached a lot of coaches. Um, And the thought at the time never entered my mind. I'm like, Amanda, that's not something you could ever do. And we started doing a lot of personal development work, figuring out, you know, what our purpose was, um, who our ideal client is. And one thing led to another and things just started evolving. And as I did my own personal work, um, I started realizing there was a pattern to where I was struggling most or where I had in my life. And that was basically toxic, narcissistic, dysfunctional relationships. Um, And the start of that was actually in my family, which I didn't know at the time. Um, Anyway, I then did training with Avalon Empowerment, which was a lot more personal development work. You know, everything I do with my clients, I've done myself. I'm proof that I like to use the line, you can go from toxic to terrific. Um, So I am now a personal growth coach. And as my bio said, you know, using my hard lived experience and training, um, I really want to be able to help other or my clients avoid the struggles that I did because I strongly believe I lost probably 25 to 30 years of my, I'm going to say young adult life struggling and trying to change things that I was never going to be able to change. Yeah. It sounds like it was a real unfolding process for you. I mean, you started off at one point and then 
it just kind of unfolded and layers kind of removed. And then you're like, oh, wow, what am I doing? I'm here. <laughs> I'm going to, I can now help other people. And so you've done the work is what you're saying. I, I've done all the work. And as you know, uh, coaching is a lot different than traditional armchair therapy. Um, I won't knock it because I went and spoke to somebody, you know, every Tuesday morning for 20 some odd years. And although that got me through the days, it didn't give me any of the tools or the insight into other people's behavior. Um, You know, one of the things I now focus on a lot with my clients too, is what role we play in the dysfunction. Um, You know, we may not be to blame whatsoever, but how we engage or don't engage or how we react um, fuels the fire and, you know, feeds the monster sometimes. Um, And had I known not to do that, not to, you know, be emotional when engaging and, um, you know, to set boundaries firmly in terms of what behavior I'm willing to accept and then know how to, um, I guess, ask for it not to happen or stop it or change things or walk away depending on the circumstance. Yeah. That, thanks for sharing. That's really great. Um, yeah. It's, it's really interesting when you do, I don't know if there's any other coaches out there, but when you do go through coaching, you realize, you know, therapy you know, therapy is great, but it focuses on the past. Coaching focuses on your future and right now. And that's such a mindful thing to do is to realize, okay, where am I at right now? And where do I want to be? And um, you said that you work a lot with like um, removing limiting beliefs and like forgiveness um, and emotions. And, um, you call this, I'm not sure if I'm getting this right, but you said that you call this kind of like the quantum change process. And so I'm wondering like how all that works in with, um, with what you do. Um, I do a lot of work with the unconscious mind and whether you're familiar or not, your unconscious is sort of your neck down and then your conscious is, you know, the other 10% up here. Um, and your unconscious actually controls the way you see the world, how you react to things. Um, And your unconscious mind basically stores in its cellular, I said cellular, right, finally, sorry, stores in its cellular memory, everything that's ever happened to you, everything you've ever seen, anything that's been said to you, anything you've said to other people. And it basically creates the filter with which, or, or how you see the world. So if let's just say all these awful things have happened to you, um, you may have a negative outlook on a lot of things that somebody else may not have that outlook on. Uh, you may react to things um, based on something that's happened to you years ago. So the, um, the quantum time release, um, that's releasing negative emotions Um, like sadness, anger, guilt, shame. And when we do these sort of, I'm going to say techniques, 
It's to kind of close your eye and close your eyes, listen to the words and you're prompted. And if your unconscious is ready to release certain, you know, thoughts and memories and whatnot, it will. So it, it kind of lightens the load. Um, it's sort of a freeing thing. And sometimes, not sometimes, I mean, you get a lot of awareness about, you know, what's stored inside you. Um, and the same goes for the, the limiting beliefs, um, you know, why, um, you know, I'm not lovable or I'm not smart enough. And, you know, we can dig into why we have those feelings and, and why they're ruling how we act in our everyday lives. Um, and then the uh, quantum change process is a forgiveness exercise and a lot of it is really forgiveness of self. And when you are forgiving someone that's harmed you, it's not excusing their behavior. It's again, um, lightening your load by being able to just express like thoughts and feelings that you have about, you know, how they've made you feel, um, and what, what they did to you. So that's kind of quick summary of both those in there. There, I offer those as one on one offs, um, and they're probably a two to three hour process. Um, and then in my regular one on one coaching, they're they're part of that whole package, um, and they're they're pretty pretty cool and eye opening. So it sounds like it's a part of you know that whole thing about the body keeps the score <laughs> very somatic um yeah we yeah, kind of have that, that book on my coffee table right yeah. now <laughs> it's on my list it's on my thrift books list <laughs> i have so many books on my list <laughs> like I, not the last one i just did was i had i interviewed jackie coben and i was so excited i got the wisdom of the enneagram and then i uh emailed her i'm like hey i got this book she's like oh my gosh please call me please let me know i want to know what your experience was so there's a plug for jackie coben if you guys haven't li listened to that episode it's so cool. She's such a cool lady. And um, I learned so much. Um, but yeah, I think we it's cool when we get these, um, we get these tools. And um, I think they come to us when we're ready. Um, and also when we need them. So it's really interesting that, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that every coach has something that got them to where they are, and gave them a gift. And usually it's through, um, it's through maybe maybe not always trauma, but we we got to where we are because of our lived experiences. So um, I always just find it interesting the work that people are doing um, and how it affects other people, and it, it it resonates with certain people, and those are the people that you can help, and those are the people that can that are that come to you. And uh, so that you have some alignment. So I, I think that's really interesting. And it sounds like a really, um, really cool tool. Um, and I've heard a lot about NLP before. I've never been trained in it. Um, so I'm not really sure about that. Um, well, that's, it's, it's, a, it's a user manual for the mind. So it gives us, it's, there's a lot of learnings that or, or a lot of things we learn in our training that teach us about the human mind and how it operates and how patterns can affect every aspect of our lives. 
So it's more stuff that we've learned to observe and pick up that our clients are, are doing, so to speak, um, that give us more information than, than you're looking at on the surface. Yeah. Peel back some of those layers. Exactly. (laughs) It is. And I mean, we, we say our clients come to us with what we call as a PP, a presenting problem. Um, you know, and it could be something like I'm unhappy, except that isn't the problem. So, you know, we, we, I don't want to say play a game, but as it, you know, when you start peeling it back, it's like, how is that a problem? Well, cause I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. Okay. And how is that a problem? Um, because then I'm sleeping 15 hours a day and how is that? So we, we start peeling the onion back and getting to what the real, and again, I don't like using too much coach speech, but the, the root cause is so, um, you know, when you were saying before, um, just earlier about, I don't know, they, sorry, it wasn't your exact words, but some people want to do the work and some people f- sort of fall into it. Um, you know, someone could be in problem their whole life and just never want to address it. Um, and then um, somebody knows they're in and have a problem and they'll start taking steps to to reach out and, you know, not just read the book or just watch the, the webinar, but to actually connect with someone. And, you know, as you know, as a coach, our clients work and play at 200% and we make them accountable. And there's, you know, consequences if they're not going to follow up on the tasks, for example, we've assigned. And we set goals for what they want to achieve at the outcome of their work with us. And the goals are achievable. I've done them. I've seen my clients do them. I'm sure you share the same thoughts on that. Yeah, it's really cool to watch that process happen. And it all comes back to the stages of change. James Prochaska's work. Um, Where are you on the spectrum of readiness for change? And um, it's really interesting to see people go from that lower level of, well, I'm thinking about it, to I'm doing this. You know, it's so cool to see that happen. Um, it, it more, yeah, peeling back those layers and unfolding. Um, so I wanted to ask you, so you mentioned forgiveness. And I'm wondering if you have ever used the Ho'opono prayer um, as far as... Uh, working with forgiveness. Um, I know I've used it a few times and it's so like the first time I did it, I was just sitting on the couch, like just started crying. (laughs) It's like, wow, (laughs) this is really powerful. Uh, I was wondering if you ever used that or. uh, Three years ago, I would have been like, what is she talking about? Oh my God. I know. Um, I have not used it with my clients. I know exactly what you're referring to. And I did, um, you know, some exchange work with one of my fellow coaches and she introduced me to it. So um, haven't used it, but yeah, the, the forgiveness. Um, and I'd have to look at that poem again, cause it's been a while. Um, like I said, it's more about um, 
some of it's getting into someone's shoes and saying, you know, I understand as a child, you were made to feel this, that, and the other. And you sort of carried those beliefs with you. And that's how you're treating others in the world. Um, and like I, I said earlier, one of the the big things I do with my clients is, you know, they come to me with a problem and maybe a person's the problem. Um, let's try have a little, and I know it's not easy in all circumstances, but there's a reason people behave the way they do. And if we can try to approach things more empathetically sometimes and with a bit more, you know, passion or concern or understanding, um, you know, maybe some of the people I'd met in business over the years who, you know, walked into the boardroom and tried to act like bigwigs. And instead of me trying to put them in their place, I took a different approach because they may be hiding a very, you know, it, like a huge insecurity by behaving that way. And I per, like, I was a per, like, I, I helped the situation be more difficult. It didn't mean I, I, I wasn't the one causing the problem in the first place. And I'm not going to take the blame when it comes to certain people. Like they were the problem. If I had some knowledge of and better people skills um, and, and realizing that, you know, somebody may be behaving that way because they're, insecure because maybe they were bullied. Maybe they were the, you know, the, the class. Um, I don't know what word to use now. I'm so scared of using certain words because everything's politically incorrect these days, but you know what I mean? So I think, you know, I've developed probably, I mean, doesn't mean I still can't get triggered by certain individuals. I, you know, wasn't my fine form when I was just buying and selling a house the last few weeks because I was having to deal with some individuals with personalities akin to the ones I used to deal with in the corporate world. And I'm approaching it from a new place, but they're the same. And it was just, it was a struggle because I was like getting almost pulled back energetically to that bad energy. And I didn't like it. Um, so, you know, in those instances, I, I didn't try to change it. I sort of like lost it here, not on the person or didn't try to, you know, berate them for behaving the way they were because they were technically working for me. It didn't work in the past. So I just finished the transactions and I'm closing those doors, you know, I'm moving along on with people that are more aligned uh, energetically with, you know, where I am now. Um, and that goes, like I said, that, that's advice with clients too. And it's not uh, one size fits all by any means. It's every situation is different. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you were talking about presenting a problem and um, why people look for help. Um, and, you know, and I always say, if you could figure it out on your own, you would have. And it takes a lot of courage to get to that point where you're like, all right, well, this is what's bothering me now. You know, my sleep is disrupted or um, I, I feel like crap in the morning or whatever it is that you're presenting. 
And that just gets you in the door. And then you find someone like yourself or uh, someone that can walk beside you along this journey. It's a really powerful process um, of peeling back layers and um, connecting with someone and um, finding your voice. And, and connecting, yeah, and sorry, um, and connecting all the pieces of your story together, which is to me what's so fascinating. And it's it, it validated a lot of my feelings that I was not getting, you know, the validation for or the emotional support. And, you know, one of the things I'm, I feel very strongly about is, you know, our right to be seen, heard, supported, loved, and unconditionally. And that may seem simplistic or altruistic, but I think if I'd had the emotional support and validation when I was sharing how I was feeling and it wasn't dismissed or I was told there was something wrong with me, um, you know, that stuff I've had to, at 56 years old, like understand that maybe I was this way because I wasn't getting this. And, you know, I, the first one to admit, you know, I wear my, what what you see is what you get, I'm going to say. So I don't really mince words. And if I'm feeling a certain way, I'm going to express it. And I'm not one that keeps things all bottled up inside. And, you know, I guess having British parents and that was their upbringing, I was the black sheep and I was the scapegoat in the family. Um, and that's how I carried on with everything. Um, would I change that? No. I mean, I, at the end of the day, I, I know I'm good and always have been, but there was a lot of other, sh you know, shit for lack of a better word, dragging me down. Yeah, I like that. It's really authentic. Um, you also mentioned the power of empathy. Um, and I think, like you were mentioning that whole scenario of like going into like an office meeting and there's this person that's, uh, you know, that you're not clicking with or whatever. And then how you could step into that empathy to help you see a different side of that. I think that's one of the hardest things to do sometimes um, because we get so caught up in our own experience. Um, but being able to step into how, feeling how that other person might feel and it, it really opens up our heart space into um, understanding what another person is doing. And it seems like it might be really transformational as far as like, when you're doing your own work, you know, to like try to feel what maybe, maybe something's going on with that person or, you know, maybe they're, maybe they had a fight with their wife in the morning, <laughs> you know, or, you know, maybe they just lost their house, you know, like there, it can be so much, um, you know, to, to, to have that. I think one of my favorite books in high school was a separate piece by John Knowles. And I think there's a, a line in it. I have, I've got a quote book somewhere and it's like, you never really understand somebody until you've walked around in their shoes. Um, and, you know, 
That doesn't go to say, I mean, there's some people that have done some pretty heinous things out there. Um, like, you know, when, when you hear horror stories or I know, you know, we've had some shootings where you are in the States. I mean, in Canada, I just look at them sometimes and I'm like, I'm so like, we're so lucky. I mean, like I said, we have some things here, but you know, when you go and this is probably a controversial thing to say, but I'm just babbling. Um, when you look at, say, one of the shooters, I'm not saying feel sorry for them. And they've done horrible things and affected lots of families. But there's also something intrinsically, I'm going to say, wrong or, or, or damaged, or there's something in their upbringing. Then there's something in their parents. Because somebody just doesn't wake up and and go do that. And it's not that the understanding makes it any better, but I don't know if it just removes a little level of, you know, uh, hatred. Um, and that was probably a bad example to use. No, but. I think that's really important to say, you know, when I live in Colorado where Columbine oh, happened, okay. and I remember when Columbine happened and it was so much in the beginning of all of this. And, um, you know, my own daughter is a high school teacher and I worry every freaking day, like, oh my gosh, you know, and I um, just, I can only imagine what other people's experiences might be. But, you know, this is interesting. I think it was a couple of, maybe it was, it might've been as far as like six months ago, but one of the podcasts I listened to is the New York Times, The Daily. And I love it because it's 30 minutes and you get like one story and they go deep dive. It's very well researched. It's such a great podcast. Um, but one of the episodes they did was on the prevalence of school shootings and how people say, oh, it's such a mental health crisis. So I would encourage anyone to seek that episode out. And I cannot remember the name of it, but it's it's been at least six months ago. But it was such a deep dive into that whole saying of, oh, it's just got to be a mental health problem. It was really interesting. Um, and I, this conversation is taking a total left turn, but that's okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, just it, really interesting. Um, but yeah. Um, oops, you're muted. Oh, I am go. sorry. I to the boardroom bully. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, so swinging back around, like, yeah, finding the empathy. Um, definitely, it's it's part of the work. I think is embracing your own empathy. And I think we all, you know, you always hear like, oh, that person is just they don't have any empathy or whatever. I don't think that's true. I think unless you're a psychopath or a sociopath. I think we all have empathy and sometimes it just takes uh, a challenging situation that m helps us tap into that and help us remember, oh yeah, I, sh I should have, you know, I should have really thought about that other person. And sometimes it's those micro moments in our life where we feel embarrassed for something that we've done or we feel ashamed. But I think if you step into that and you go, okay, I could have had more empathy in this situation. 
And wow, that person must, you know, there must have been something really going on with that. Um, it's just kind of like a micro check in our lives. Well, and, and having that, like, even if you don't have it, having the awareness that next time, or this time I didn't do it, next time I should. I mean, it's the, like, we're all works in progress. And Absolutely. like I said, I still get, I'm still going to get challenged and triggered by things, even though I have the tools. And I know I was saying to myself, you know, the week the house was closing and I was stressed out about everything because I wasn't getting the answers I wanted. And I'm like, why can't I use, I need to use my tools that I have dealing with these people. And, you know, sometimes you got to give you some, some grace too. And I had to give myself some slack because the pressures were high and, um, it was a lot of change in my life too. Um, but like I said, just awareness of our own behaviors, why we're behaving a certain way, why other people are behaving a certain way, um, really can diffuse, um, I'm going to say some anxiety at times or discourse, yeah, absolutely. We are all works in progress until we die. You don't just suddenly wake up and go, okay, I got it figured out. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. No. We all, oh gosh, we all like, I can just think of something that happened to me two or three weeks ago. I was like, oh my gosh, I was such a jerk. Why did I do that? You know, like it just, we never, and I think if we, if we tell ourselves, oh, now that I've done all this growth work, I'm going to be this perfect person. It doesn't happen like that. We are constantly. And I think these little micro moments gets thrown at us all the time, just as a way to like, keep us in check and say, okay, now you got to work on this. Now you're going to work on this. You thought you had it figured out, but oh no, here's something else. Here's something new. It's just, it were, I don't know if even work is the right, that might be too convoluted. I think it's just, um, kind of a process it is and um you know when I was saying I wasn't at my finest the last few weeks with a, a closing and a move and um I got on a call with a couple of my fellow coaches and they're like let's you know let's talk this through and see like what's going on with you and I walked away going okay, that makes so much sense. And it's what I re referenced a bit earlier that um, I guess um, she'd asked me if these people, like how long I'd been working with them. And I said, oh, you know, for they've been my bank exact for ages or my financial advisor for ages. And, and she's like, you're not who you were when you started working with them. And I'm like, no. And they're relating to you as the old, old Amanda. And I'm like, mm-hmm. So that's where I was referencing getting pulled back. Well, three, four, five years ago, if that had happened, I'd still be in the throes of all that. Now it's like, okay, let's figure it out and move on next. And, and those are some of the other yeah. tools that I find I still may get triggered by something, but I'm over it and out of it in hours, not days, not weeks. And I'm not having to retell and relive it with, you know, a friend, a sibling, a coworker, um, 
you know, the neighbor across the street, which I know I was doing in the past. And I remember someone saying to me one day, it's like, you talk to everybody about all your stuff. And it was because I didn't have any support. I didn't have any validation. I needed like help. I needed sometimes somebody to tell me I wasn't wrong and that yes, the other person's behavior wasn't right. Um, and I also needed somebody to explain to me that you can't change other people. And that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to bring them around to my way of thinking or, you know, change the way they acted. Well, you can't do that. I can change myself. But, and, and by changing myself, there sometimes is a residual runoff and there you do see changes in other people. Sometimes there's no hope in hell it'll ever happen. <laughs> right. We can't control everything. <laughs> no. Can't control anything other than ourselves. Yeah, you mentioned, uh, I think it's really good that you're tapping into that sense of community. Like you have your tribe, you have your people, you have your um, other coaches that you can um, bounce things off of. And I think that's really important for all of us to, um, you know, you have your... You have your, regardless if it's like your work group or, but you have your core tribe, whatever that is, the people that you know that you can call and say, hey, I just had a really bad day. You need to have that social support, no matter what you're going through and what you're working on. Um, you need to have that, that support network. And that's such a really important thing to have. And, and I honestly didn't have it until I started doing, you know, work with my, like Avalon and doing the training with them and, you know, the community I met. Um, and I think we all, I don't want to say former cliques cause that sounds too high schoolish, but you know, we all, there's groups that gravitate toward each other and I've got, you know, I'm not a woohoo person by any means. Like I'm saying, like who goes from being in real estate development and making six figures and having a senior level job to basically starting at ground zero, but I'm happy and I don't want to go back to that corporate world. Um, I, I actually just got accepted to, um, I think it's called ULI, but it's a, like a national, um, group and they put together and representing the real estate development industry, they put together mentors and mentees. Um, and it's a one-on-one -on -one and you're paired with somebody for a year. Um, so I got approved to be a mentee and, or sorry, mentor. And when I saw the list of people on there, I was like, okay, I'm, this is not me. I'm not qualified enough. And uh, one of my first clients from 25 years ago, 30 years ago, coincidentally, is on the board. And she wrote me an email back. She said, between your lived experience in the home building industry for all those years and now your coaching, she's like, you're way more qualified than anybody here. Um, and, you know, I don't know what kind of mentee I will end up with, but I certainly if they're struggling in certain areas, I've got insight and advice and tools. And, you know, let's say you're working in 
you're working for a company and it's, there's a lot of nepotism going on and how to navigate that sort of thing. If you're working in a company where, you know, you come in and there's, it's small and somebody else is used to ruling the roost and suddenly you come in and you're the, you know, bright new sparkly thing and they don't like it. And their behavior towards you is, you know, not right. Um, So I'm hoping that, you know, I meet somebody or I'm paired with somebody that is running into challenges or when I'm writing my bio, it's like, this is the type of person I'm, I'm looking for. Like you want to work in the industry, you want to move up in the industry, but these are the roadblocks you're hitting. And I hit so many of them and, you know, it was a male dominated industry. I like that. I worked with men fine. It was probably some of the women I had a harder time with. Um, and yeah, anyway, that was just another little tidbit. That's really, yeah, I really like that. That's so cool that um, even though that was like kind of like your former life, you're still able to have that experience because you've got so much work experience in that. Like, how can you just turn that off? Um, so I think it's really cool that you're able to like to be a mentor. Um, that's really it's, it's interesting because it's like you're on this new path, but you're, you also like have this connection. And so you're able to support people with that. Yeah. I, I have to say I, I fought it a little bit. Um, and you know, when you're trying to discover your niche, I've had a lot of people go well, like, why are you throwing away all those years of experience? I'm like, I don't want to work that hard in that instance anymore. And, um, yeah, I saw, I don't even remember where I, saw a posting it may have been somewhere on LinkedIn and I was like okay like where you know there's a women's construction association is that somewhere that I can you know approach at some point in time and be able to like advise and guide or you know there's a lot of in the corporate world out there there's a lot of shit going on and you know it 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 all comes from the leadership and if the leadership's no good and they don't want to address things. And, um, you know, it's not necessarily a huge company with a human resources department. Trying to navigate stuff like that is really difficult. Um, oh, definitely. Anyway. I worked in food and beverage for most of my life. And you want to talk about toxic leadership, um, an unhealthy work environment, tap into the food and beverage industry. Um, it is just plagued with that. And, um, you know, a lot of my tribe, my friends are, they work in hospitality. And, um, you know, even though I'm doing this other thing and stepping into, I had to step away from that whole thing. I still, I still do it. Um, but I do it more for fun. Um, but you know, you, I think you get to that point in your life where you're like, I, this is so, um, I won't, just detrimental to my own balance in my life that you have to step away from the actual day-to-day of it and find a new way to like still maintain those connections with people. Um, But yeah, man, (laughs) I get it. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to unfold in new ways. Um, And I, yeah, it's, it's, 
it's good that you can do that and and also kind of trust your intuition um and it's really cool that you're finding those groups that can benefit from your wisdom and your experience and and use some of your tools um to help those people out yeah i guess that's what i was here to do at the end of the day it's it's weird but like i said i i you know I would have never intentionally said, oh, I'm going to set out to become a, a life coach. But no, but I, I did not know, though, that, you know, my own work on myself and then putting the puzzle together is like, OK, there's a, there's there's patterns here. And why was nothing pointed out before? Why was I not given, you know, told that, you know, your mother checks 27 out of 28 of the boxes of a covert narcissist? And why does she behave the way she does? Because look at how her parents were with her. And, you know, having a better understanding. Um, And then maybe being given some, some tools of, how to approach that. Um, I didn't have the tools. I kind of made things up as I went along in, in the instance of my family. And I estranged myself 10 years ago from my parents and one sibling, um, which was my boundary. Um, and I had to do it for self-survival. And in that instance, I strongly believe even if I had the tools I have now, they weren't going to listen. And they weren't going to change. So, you know, in that instance, that's what I had to do. Um, you know, with clients, my go-to is not walk away or estrange yourself. There's a lot of things to do first. Um, you know, and not all of us have the, you know, financial ability to be able to do that too. So how do we stay in there um, without losing our minds? Right. Yeah. Wow. What a story you have. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um, so where can people get in touch with you if they're interested in learning about some of these tools? Um, I am on Instagram and Facebook at Amanda Kirkland coach. And my website is Amanda Kirkland.com. So pretty, pretty simple pretty easy. Keep it simple, right? And um, you are obviously on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, so you got LinkedIn. And is that just your name? It's just my name. Just Perfect. Amanda we'll put all of your links. And then you've also got some free stuff. You could tell us a little bit about that. I do. I have a an ebook and it's uh, four secret strong gritty women need to know to rise above toxic relationships. And then in brackets without hundreds of hours of therapy, I always have to be careful because like I said, not knocking traditional armchair therapy. It got me through years, but, um, And I also have a virtual coffee grit strategy session, a complimentary 30-minute call. Um, And there is a link on my website, a Calendly link for that. And I'll send that to you too so you can include that in the the show notes for anyone listening that might like to, to meet. 
Absolutely. And, you know, and I think it's really important that like uh, folks re- reach out to these people um, and, you know, reach out to me, <laughs> reach out to these people that I've been interviewing. They have a lot of great uh, information and resources and tools. If you're, if any of this resonates with you, um, you've also been on a bunch of podcasts. And so I noticed on your website that you have links to all of those. So definitely check out some of those resources. Um, I'm sure they offer, you know, I'm sure each one offers a little bit different. They are all a little, yeah, they are all a little bit different. I, I probably need to go on and update some cause I've I think I've had about another 10 or so come out since, since then. Wow. That's awesome. You've been busy. <laughs> I've been having fun doing it really. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, it's really fun. I've really enjoyed um, getting to know uh, a lot of people this season and it's opened my eyes some really, to some really cool information and different ways of looking at things. Um, so yeah, so I want to, Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It's been really, it's a really powerful story and I hope that it resonates with people. I do too. And thank you so much for having me on, Monica. You are welcome. Thanks everyone. joining me today, be sure and hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you listen to great pod content. I'd love it if you could tell a friend about this podcast and you can find any links mentioned by my guest or by me in the show notes below. Our music is Funk Beats by Ecolix and you can find them on the audio jungle. I'll catch you next time around. See you soon.